0: I'm just going to let the music play for a little bit. I like that tune. (laughs) It's from streambeats.com. Nice, huh? Hey, it's 7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast in America, 3 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. In Kyoto, Japan, it's 11 o'clock at night, and here in Malaysia, it's 1934. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Wow, we made it to Wednesday. We made it! It's Wednesday! Yes! And also, it's raining, which is a really big deal because we haven't had rain for like four and a half years. You know, it's been a while. But it's rained since we had a beautiful morning. Nice. Relatively cool temperatures, and uh, suddenly, about eleven, twelve o'clock, it clouded up, started raining, and has not stopped since. Other than about 20 minutes ago, it stopped. The clouds haven't quite cleared out yet, but if they do, where is my note about that? Here it is. At... p.m. tonight, Malaysian time. It's about 56 minutes from right now. It will be the full harvest moon exactly to the moment at 10.57 tonight. So in about 55, 56 minutes. Shine on, shine on harvest moon up in the sky. I ain't had no lovin' since January, February, June, or July. That song is so old. My mom and my late dad used to sing it. That's how old that song is. I don't even, I think it's called Shine on Harvest Moon. But it's been, uh, yeah. (laughs) It's like a thousand years old. Anyway, all right, so the Full Harvest Moon is coming tonight in, uh, in about 55 minutes from now, 10.57 p.m. Malaysian time. Here in Malaysia, it will be full, the moment. All right, uh, hey, coming up, we, we want to encourage you, by the way, we are, in, in addition to being a live show, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Rumble.com. We're live on all three platforms, all four platforms right now. Uh, We are also, of course, a podcast, the audio part of our show. Thank you and welcome in to all of our podcast listeners who hear this show just about 20 minutes, half an hour after we're done with our live broadcast. But we also want to, when we send this podcast out, we put little cross-promotion blocks in the beginning and the end, and we are supposed to be promoting Debbie Wright's Never Too Late podcast. For some reason, my podcast supplier has been screwing up. It's nothing I did. I got all the settings right, but for some reason, Debbie's promotion message isn't running in the front of my show. So I'm going to give her a few seconds here to encourage you when you're done listening to this podcast, I'm not wearing pants, head on over or search out Debbie Wright's Never Too Late. It's a great podcast. She does a wonderful job, Uh, talks about life, ups and downs, encouraging words, and uh, really an interesting show. So do check out Debbie Wright's Never Too Late. It's right here on whatever platform you're listening to. To this podcast on. We encourage you to check out Debbie's show. Never too late. All right, let's go, Brandon. Oh, was that gonna get me kicked off of YouTube or Facebook? I understand. I read something today that they were like censoring shows that um, or posts that say that in it. Go ahead, censor me. I don't give a crap. I got Rumble. Rumble won't censor me. All right. Hey, it's time. Miko Update. Me, 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 me Miko Update. The little girl is great. She, (laughs) She had a really depressed day today. She did not get out because of the rain. In fact, here she is sitting next to my car on the patio looking out at the rain, wishing she could go for a walk. My significant other finally took her out for a walk about 20 minutes ago, a short one, but at least she got to do her business and get a little exercise. So she was very, very upset today, but she made it. So that's her just a short time ago and uh, looking very depressed about not being able to... uh, not being able to can I play this? I don't know if I can play this here or not ah crap, I can't there was the funniest post but apparently they took it down I don't know why okay it does work I'm going to see if I can it's going to be messed up okay, you're going to have to check this out because it's a little screwy and let's see if I can get the sound to work I'm I'm gonna gonna be be doubled up, but but you gotta gotta hear this. this. It's gotta gotta be this is not Miko, okay? Okay? But But check check this this out. Kylo, I'm gonna need you to bark. Woof. It's it's woof. It's not it's woof. Oh, there you go uh, again. It's funny for the audio for your podcast listeners, but if you're listening on the uh, if, you're, if you if you want to see the video, it's even funnier. Go to Rumble.com Jay Sheldon, check out the video version of our show. But that was so cute, I had to uh, I had to share that today. Part of the Miko update. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, uh, our thumbnail tonight, and coming up on the show, we promised. Riddle Me This. Yes, Riddle Me This. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Things That Confuse Malaysians. Uh, we're going to talk about that. And, of course, The War of the Worlds. And we're on Chapter 2 of the second. I think it's Chapter 2 of the second book. And uh, we'll have that. Yeah, Chapter 2, Book 2 is coming up. So, all right. So, I, I Mohaned. On our, He's a, a great fan from Saudi Arabia. He's a regular listener and contributor to the show. And uh, by the way, all the uh, pages we talk about tonight will be in our show notes. Just check out, you'll see the links in there. You can go and read the whole articles because we share a bunch of stuff. We always give credits where we found them, but we also put the links so you can read the whole article. I don't read the whole article and bore you with all that crap, but uh, anyway, you will find the links to all this in our show notes tonight. They're somewhere down there. Um, But last week, last week, yeah, Monday on the show, Mohanad gave us a riddle which I have, still haven't figured out, and he didn't give us the answer. I'm going to kill you for that, because I'm usually really good at figuring out riddles. I couldn't figure his out. I love riddles. They make you think. I love anything that makes you think. Not well, it makes you go, hmm, but, you know, makes you think. So I thought, what a cool idea. We'll do some riddles tonight. Now, we've got a few live viewers here across the four different platforms. I can see, I think, all of your chats. I'm not sure about Rumble, but I will check on our Rumble screen over there where we have a viewer or two. Um, So if you think you figure these out, put it in the chat if you think you know the answer. These these are cool. There's a ton of them. And no, I'm not going to do all of them, but I'll do a few and see if you can figure it out. By the way, spoiler alert, I will give you the answer after a little amount of time, okay? So here's the first, these are actual riddles. How did he die? A man is found dead in the middle of a field. There were no witnesses, and he was not murdered. They opened his hand and found he was holding... A ring. How did he die? Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. <clears throat> Figured it out. Man found dead in the middle of the field. No witnesses, wasn't murdered. They open up his hand and in his hand they find a ring. How did he die? I will tell you. He jumped out of a plane, his parachute didn't open, and he was holding the parachute ring that you use to pull the ripcord. (laughs) Ha! 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 Oh, all right, come on! No, this is pretty good. I like those kind of riddles. Everybody loves a good riddle. This, by the way, is from uh, Mames.com, M-E-M-E-S.com. You can check it out. Our links, again, in the show notes. Um, These riddles will change your mind. Um, So take a minute, think about it, read each line carefully, and like the first one, pay attention to details. Things are not always what you first think they are. All right, here we go. I went into the woods and I got it. I sat down to seek it. I brought it home with me because I couldn't find it. What is it? Put it in the chat if you think you know. I went into the woods and I got it. I sat down to seek it. I brought it home with me because I couldn't find it. What is it? Don't know. This is going to drive you crazy, isn't it? All right. One more time. I went into the woods and I got it. Wait. I sat down to seek it. I brought it home with me because I couldn't find it. What is it? A splinter. A splinter! (laughs) All right, smart guy. This is cool. I love Riddles. I love it. We're just going to do a couple more. All right, here we go. You're standing outside of a room, but you can't see into it. There is a single light bulb in the room. In front of you are three switches, one of which controls the light bulb. You can only enter the room once. How do you determine which switch controls the light bulb? Now, I'll say it again in case you're confused. I know if you're watching the video, you can read along. You're standing outside a room you can't see into, a single light bulb in the room. In front of you, you see three switches outside of the room. One of them controls the light bulb. You can only enter the room one time. How do you determine? Which switch controls the light bulb? Think you figured it out? Tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> I'll give you the answer. Even I, I, you know, I'm good at riddles and I couldn't figure this one out. This is a cool thing though. Here's how you do it. Flip the first switch, leave it on for a while, then turn it off. Flip the second switch and leave it on. Leave the third switch off. Enter the room. If the bulb is warm to the touch but off, it's the first switch. If the bulb is on, of course, it's the second switch. And if the bulb is cold and off, it's the third switch. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. Not bad, huh? See, you gotta think. This is an easy one. You'll get this one. With teeth like claws and furless paws, you'll find me underground. And though my maw was to be feared, I'll greet you without a sound. What am I? That's an easy one. A dinosaur in a museum. Yes. Yes there you go alright and one more maybe two I am tall but I have no height I'm long but cover no ground tell me though I cannot listen hear me though I cannot speak what is it think you know I'll repeat it one more time I am tall but I have no height I am long, but cover no ground. Tell me, though I cannot listen. Hear me, though I cannot speak. What am I? A tail. I know, it's T-A-L-E, tail, okay? A tail. All right, one more. I gotta do one more. I gotta do one more. This is easy. Again, you will get this. Forward, it's heavy. Backwards, it's not. What is it? Come on, think about it. You can get this one. Forward, it's heavy. Backwards, it's not. What is it? A ton, T-O-N, which backwards is not. (laughs) All right, enough of that. Riddle me this. Riddle me this. I love Jim Carrey as the Joker in The Batman. When he when he played the Joker, he was incredible. I mean, he's always incredible, but he's a little weird in his personal life. But Jim Carrey is a hell of a comic. Anyway, you'll check out that. It's at memes.com, and uh, the link is in our show notes. There's a bunch of them. Some of them are really, really good. So check those out over there. All right, Things That Confuse... Malaysians. Oh my god. This is the shake your head SMH moment of the week for everyone here. Um, Because of a whiskey, a locally made Malaysian whiskey named Tima. T-I-M-A-H. And it has had an amazing amount of free advertising as netizens mock a right-wing attack on a local whiskey brand. This article is from FocusMalaysia.my, and the link again will be in the show note if you want to read the uh, the whole article. The award-winning locally brewed whiskey brand Tima is riling up the right-wing movements in Malaysia. The public took to Twitter to defend the product, Uh, I won't read all the tweets and everything. You can read the article yourself over there. But basically, the local whiskey brand came into the limelight when several uh, right-wing movements uh, alleged that it was disrespecting the Malay community and Islam. Um, Said it, uh, it, uh, the bearded man resembled a man in a copia. Uh, It's actually... Uh, not a Malaysian man, it is a guy known as Captain Speedy, uh, who was a British officer, uh, Tristram Charles Sawyer Speedy, otherwise popularly known as Captain Speedy, who served in the British Malaya from 1861 to 1874 as an administrator to restore order during the devastating La Root Wars in Perak. He was also credited with bringing the whiskey culture to the local tin mining sector back then. And the word timah, T-I-M-A-H, is a local word which means simply tin, you know, the metal, tin, T-I-N. The name Tima whiskey harks back to the tin mining era during British Malaya. Now, we've had similar ridiculous controversies happen. One of the most stupid ones I've ever heard was when they were complaining, some group was complaining about uh, what is the pretzel company? Auntie An's? Anne's? Auntie Anne's? Pretzels? They're really good pretzels. But they had this hot dog wrapped in a pretzel bun, which is also pretty good. I mean, the hot dog's alright, but anyway, anything with the word dog in it there's a problem. So now they have to, I think they call them sausages or something, so it doesn't say dog. Root beer, ginger beer, because it has the word beer in the title. My dear friend Keith Kahn, who is over at BFM, put a post. Is a public post, not sharing any out-of-school out of secrets, but he's exactly right. Things that confuse in Malaysia. Root beer, ginger beer neither of which have any relationship to alcohol at all, hot dogs, coney dogs, hamburger, which, by the way, ham-burger, has nothing to do with pork. It was originally from Hamburg, Germany. Disputed, but certainly nothing to do with ham. Timo whiskey, and let's not forget the wombat. If you are in Malaysia, you know what I mean when I say, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Also remember, yes, George Michael's 1996 song, Jesus to a Child, when it aired here, it had one word censored out. (sighs) Things that confuse people, who apparently get rather easily confused. And there's no use in trying to explain it. Our dear friend Thomas Sowell put it very well. It is usually futile to try to talk facts and analysis to people who are enjoying a sense of moral superiority in their ignorance. If you don't know Thomas Sowell, you must look him up. He has a website, he has a Facebook page, and he is an incredibly brilliant man. Thomas Soul S O W E L Dan Bongino uh, uh, Dan Bongino turned me on to uh, Thomas Soul and I've been a fan ever since. He is a remarkable guy who really calls it like he sees it. Talks a lot about finance and things like that, but life in general and uh gets some really brilliant words of wisdom from uh from Thomas Soul. Hang on coffee break. Mm. While we're on the subject, if you would like, you can go to twitch.tv slash jsheldonnopants. Links in the show notes. And check out our merchandise. We've got, there's our show logo. There's the Mighty Miko on a mug, coffee mug. We've got hats, hoodies, t-shirts, mouse pads, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. We call it Miko Merch. And that's on our twitch.tv site, where you can find Jay Sheldon No Pants channel. If you're watching it right now, just go to the About, and over on the right-hand side, you'll see Miko merch. Check that out. Pick up something. There's some cool stuff over there. Oh, man, did we get some good news this week, or what? I cannot believe this. First of all, I can't believe Mel Brooks is still alive but he is, he's 90 something years old. Variety, this is from Variety, History of the World Part Two series has been ordered at Hulu. and Yeah, and who else better than Mel Brooks, the original film creator of History of the World Part One, will write and executive produce. This is a screenshot from uh, History of the World, Part 1. You know, I just saw an article where they asked the writer of the original airplane film, could you make that film today? And the answer was brilliant. He said, yeah, but without the jokes, (laughs) which sadly is exactly true. Mel Brooks does not put up with that cancel culture Bull crap, and so let's hope Hulu and Mr. Brooks don't. Uh, it is finally getting a part two. Hulu has ordered a variety series follow-up to the classic Mel Brooks comedy film, uh, History of the World Part Two, described as a sequel to the 1981 film. The film was made up of segments set during different periods of world history, the Stone Age, Ancient Rome, French Re- Revolution, and like most of Mel Brooks' stuff, it featured musical numbers, including one about the Spanish Inquisition, and of course, Jews in space, 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 space. So anyway, Mel Brooks gonna be a writer and a- executive producer on the series. I there couldn't have been any better news today than this from Variety. The writer's room is beginning in October, so this month. Production is slated to begin in the spring of next year. Searchlight Television and 20th Century Television will produce. And the only thing we can pray is you leave your hands off it. Let Mel Brooks do what nobody can do like Mel Brooks. And, you know, by the way, speaking of Mel Brooks, did you see Silent Movie? Incredible. I mean... because I have done this sort of thing before it didn't make it but uh, I I didn't get the funding to get it produced but I love these films where can you imagine somebody pitching the idea Mel Brooks saying in back in the 80s I think it was I want to make a silent movie who makes a silent movie anymore they haven't been made in a hundred years but Mel Brooks pitched sold wrote and shot a movie called silent movie and it was it was a silent movie i think burt reynolds was in it dom de louise uh it was absolutely incredible and the best part if you see you must see it you must see it it's a brooks classic it's a silent movie so there's no talking except one time i tell this story all the time to my friends The one word that's spoken in the entire film is no. And it's done by, who is that very famous French mime? I'm trying to remember his name now. Marcel Marceau. Marcel Marceau, if you don't know, is probably the most famous mime of all time. He was incredible. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he was a mime, so he didn't speak. He did pantomime. So the fact that Mel Brooks wrote him into a silent movie and he, as a mime, is the only one who talks is Mel Brooks in a nutshell. What a mind! What a mind. And that's why I could not be more excited about the fact that doing History of the World Part (laughs) 2. Thank you, Hulu, for funding that amazing, uh, what will be, I'm sure, an amazing show. Mel, don't give in to the cancel culture. Do what you do best. All right. What do you do best? What do we do best? Malaysia, Malaysia, Malaysia. Um, one of the things that's really weird about living in this country is the weather. I have complained about the heat and you know, it's always hot. Look, we're, you know, we're like a half a mile away from the equator here. Well, we're not, but we're close enough that it's always humid. It's always hot. We have rainy and hot. And some combination of that is exactly all you need to know about the weather. However, having said that, For more than this reason, but for one of the big reasons in Malaysia, we truly are blessed. And this is the strangest thing. This is absolutely scientifically true. And I will show you here with this amazing bunch of photographs or images. These are all the earthquakes from 1900 to 2015 in Southeast Asia. You'll see here. Hang on, let me get my mouse back. Whoops. Wait. Not that one. Okay, here. This is Thailand over here. This is Malaysia. Underneath all these white dots, this is Indonesia. Okay. So you're oriented. If you if you don't live in Malaysia or in Southeast Asia, you might not know exactly where we are here. This is Vietnam over here. Cambodia. So here is Malaysia. This Foot that sticks off of this is Peninsular Malaysia, and over here on this island of Borneo is uh, Eastern Malaysia, which is uh, Sarawak and Sabah. Look at this; these are all the earthquakes for over a uh, what, nineteen hundred to twenty fifteen, and look at Malaysia. There's you can count them on one hand. There's one, two. Three, this is Brunei. None, nothing. Even though all throughout Indonesia and up through around the side, up here, all this, these are all earthquakes. And yet Malaysia, untouched. It's insane. Take a look at this next chart. Global tropical cyclone tracks from 1985 to 2005. Take a look right there where my mouse is. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, please go to Rumble.com or Facebook or YouTube, Jay Sheldon Malaysia. You can find our, our video show. But look, check this out. These are all the cyclone paths from 1985 to 2005. There is Borneo, Malaysia. Here is Peninsular Malaysia. Virtually, once again, untouched. How incredible is that? And how blessed are we that we live in this area? When you combine the two, this is what you get. Take a look. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Again, to orient you, my mouse over here is over top of peninsular Malaysia. And this part of the island of Borneo is uh, eastern Malaysia, Sabah Sarawak. Look at that right up all through in these are earthquakes and these are cyclones and we sitting here through the grace of whatever god you believe in are untouched that is absolutely incredible found that article today i will post a link to these images on the show notes it's down there below and you can check it out yourself these are public posts and uh yeah it's it's pretty amazing amazing stuff all righty have we finished all the stuff we wanted to talk about tonight i think so we did all right in that case it means it is time to head on over and get to our book we are doing hg wells the war of the worlds Uh, by the way before we get into this i want to remind you that coming up on the 30th of october we will be doing a full show of scary stories. I've already got a whole bunch of them prepped and some of them are real good ones. But we will be doing an entire hour of scary, not necessarily always ghost stories, but scary stories and that will be coming up. We're not live on Halloween because that's a Sunday, but Halloween Eve, we'll be celebrating that with scary stories. So. Mark your calendar. The easiest way to get reminded is just to subscribe. If you're watching on twitch.tv, on Rumble, on YouTube, on Facebook, you hit the follow button, and like the page, whatever, follow. And then on YouTube, twitch.tv, subscribe. It's always free. Rumble.com, just subscribe, and um, <clears throat> you'll get notified when we go live. So you won't miss it. But that'll be coming up on our October 30th show. So, all right, without further ado, let us jump into The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. We are on the second book, one of two books of The War of the Worlds. This is chapter two from book two, What We Saw from the Ruined House. After eating, we crept back to the scullery, and there I must have dozed again, for when presently I looked around, I was alone. The thudding vibration continued with wearisome persistence. I whispered for the curate several times, and at last felt my way to the door of the kitchen. It was still daylight, and I perceived him across the room, lying against the triangular hole that looked out upon the Martians. His shoulders were hunched so that his head was hidden from me. I could hear a number of noises, almost like those in an engine shed, and the place rocked with that beating thud. Through the aperture in the wall I could see the top of a tree touched with gold in the warm blue of a tranquil evening sky. For a minute or so I remained watching the curate, and then I advanced, crouching and stepping with extreme care, amid the broken crockery that littered the floor. I touched the curate's leg, and he started so violently that a mass of plaster went sliding down outside and fell with a loud impact. I gripped his arm, fearing he might cry out, and for a long time we crouched, motionless. Then I turned to see how much of our rampart remained. THE DETACHMENT OF THE PLASTER HAD LEFT A VERTICAL SLIT OPEN IN THE DEBRIS, AND BY RAISING MYSELF CAUTIOUSLY ACROSS a BEAM I WAS ABLE TO SEE OUT OF THIS GAP INTO WHAT HAD BEEN OVERNIGHT A QUIET SUBURBAN ROADWAY. VAST INDEED WAS THE CHANGE THAT WE BEHELD. THE FIFTH CYLINDER MUST HAVE FALLEN RIGHT INTO THE MIDST OF THE HOUSE WE HAD FIRST VISITED. THE BUILDING HAD VANISHED. "'completely smashed, pulverized, and dispersed by the blow. "'The cylinder lay now far beneath the original foundations, "'deep in a hole already vastly larger than the pit "'I had looked into at walking. "'The earth all around it had splashed under that tremendous impact. "'Splashed is the only word, and lay in heaped piles "'that hid the masses of the adjacent houses.' It had behaved exactly like mud under the violent blow of a hammer. Our house had collapsed backwards. The front portion, even on the ground floor, had been destroyed completely. By a chance, the kitchen and scullery had escaped and stood buried now under soil and ruins, closed in by tons of earth on every side, save towards the cylinder." Over that aspect we hung now on the very edge of the great circular pit the Martians were engaged in making. The heavy beating sound was evidently just behind us, and ever and again the bright green vapor drove up like a veil across our people. The cylinder was already open in the center of the pit, and on the farther edge of the pit amidst the smash and gravel-heaped shrubbery, One of the great fighting machines deserted by its occupants stood stiff and tall against the evening sky. At first I scarcely noticed the pit and the cylinder although it has been convenient to describe them first on account of the extraordinary glittering mechanism I saw busy in the evacuation and on account of the strange creatures that were crawling slowly and painfully across the heaped mold near it. The mechanism, it certainly was, that held my attention first. It was one of those complicated fabrics that have since been called handling machines, and the study of which has already given such an enormous impetus to terrestrial invention. As it dawned upon me first, it presented a sort of metallic spider with five jointed agile legs, and with an extraordinary number of jointed levers, bars, and reaching and clutching tentacles about its body. Most of the arms were retracted, but with three long tentacles it was fishing out a number of rods, plates, and bars which lined the covering and apparently strengthened the walls of the cylinder. These, as it extracted them, were lifted out and deposited upon a level surface of earth beneath it. Its motion was so swift, complex, and perfect, that at first I didn't see it as a machine. In spite of its metallic glitter, the fighting machines were coordinated and animated to an extraordinary pitch, but nothing to compare with this. (coughs) People who've never seen these structures, and have only the ill-imagined efforts of artists or the Imperfect descriptions of such eyewitnesses as myself to go upon scarcely realize that living quality. I recall particularly the illustration of one of the first pamphlets to give a consecutive account of the war. The artist had evidently made a hastily study of one of the fighting machines, and there his knowledge ended. He presented them as tilted, stiff tripods without either flexibility or subtlety and with an altogether misleading monotony of effect. The pamphlet containing these renderings had a considered vogue, and I mention them here simply to warn the reader that, against the impression, they may have been created. They were no more like Martians, I saw in action, than a Dutch doll is like a human being. To my mind, the pamphlet would have been much better without them. At first, I say, the handling machine didn't impress me as a machine, but a crab-like creature with a glittering integument and the controlling Martian whose delicate tentacles actuated its movement seeming to be simply the equivalent of a crab's cerebral portion. But then I perceived the resemblance of its grey-brown-shiny leathering integument to that of the other sprawling bodies beyond, and the true nature of this dexterous workman dawned upon me. With that realization, my interest shifted to those other creatures, the real Martians. Already I had a transient impression of these, and the first nausea no longer obscured my observation. Moreover, I was concealed and motionless, and under no sense of urgency. They were, I saw now, the most unearthly creatures, and it's possible to conceive. They were huge, round bodies, or rather heads, about four feet in diameter, each body having, in front of it, a face. The face had no nostrils. Indeed, the Martians do not seem to have any sense of smell, but it had a pair of large, dark-colored eyes, and just beneath this a kind of fleshy beak. In the back of its head, or body, I scarcely know how to speak of it, was the single tight tympanic surface, since known to be anatomically an ear, though it must have been almost useless in our dense air. In a group round the mouth were sixteen slender, almost whip-like tentacles, arranged in two bunches of eight each. These bunches have since been named rather aptly by that distinguished autonomous Professor Howes, the Hands. Even as I saw these Martians for the first time, they seemed to be endeavoring to raise themselves on these Hands. But, of course, with the increased weight of terrestrial conditions, this was impossible. It was reason to suppose that on Mars they may have progressed upon them with some faculty. The internal anatomy, I may remark here as dissection has since shown, is almost equally simple. The greater part of the structure was the brain, sending enormous nerves to the eyes, ears, and tactile tentacles. Besides these were the bulky lungs into which the mouth opened, and the heart. And its vessels the pulmonary distress caused by the denser atmosphere and greater gravitational attraction was only too evident in the convulsive movements of the outer skin and this was the sum of the martian organs strange as it may seem to a human being all the complex apparatus of digestion which makes up the bulk of our bodies did not exist in the martians they were heads merely Heads, entrails, they had none. They didn't eat, much less digest. Instead, they took the fresh, living blood of other creatures and injected it into their own veins. I have myself seen this being done, as I shall mention in its place, but squeamish as it may seem, I just cannot bring myself to describe what I could not endure even to continue watching. But it suffice to say, blood obtained from a still-living animal, in most cases from a human being, was run directly by means of a little pipette into the recipient canal. The bare idea of this is no doubt horribly repulsive to us, but at the same time I think that we should remember how repulsive our carnivorous habits would seem to an intelligent rabbit. Psychological advantage of the practice of injection are undeniable. If one thinks of the tremendous waste of human time and energy occasioned by eating and the digestive process, our bodies are half made up of glands and tubes and organs occupied in turning heterogeneous food into blood. The digestive process and their reaction upon the nervous system sap our strength and color our minds. Men go happy or miserable as they have healthy or unhealthy livers or sound gastric glands. But the Martians, the Martians are lifted above all these organic fluctuations of mood and emotion. Their undeniable preference for men as their source of nourishment is partially explained by the nature of the remains of the victims they had brought with them as provisions from Mars. These creatures, to judge from the shriveled remains that have fallen into human hands, were bipeds with flimsy siliceous skeletons, skeletons, almost like those of the siliceous sponges, feeble musculature standing about six feet high having round erect heads and large eyes and flinty sockets. Two or three of these seem to have been brought in each cylinder, and all were killed before earth was reached. It was just as well for them, for the mere attempt to stand upright on our planet would have broken every bone in their bodies. And while I'm engaged in this description, I may add in this place certain further details which although they're not all evident to us at the time, will enable the reader who is unacquainted with them to form a clearer picture of these offensive creatures. In three other points, their physiology differed strangely from ours. Their organisms did not sleep any more than the heart of a man sleeps, since they had no extensive muscular mechanism to recuperate that periodical extinction was unknown to them. They had little or no sense of fatigue, it was seen. On Earth, they could never have moved without effort, yet, even to the last, they kept in action. 24 hours, they did 24 hours of work, even on Earth, as perhaps the case with the ants. In the next place, wonderful as it seemed in a sexual world, the Martians were absolutely without sex, therefore without any of the tumultuous emotions that arise from that difference among men. A young Martian, there can now be no dispute, was really born upon earth during the war, and it, found, it was found attached to its parent, partially budded off, just as a young lily bulb buds off like the young animals in the freshwater polyp. In man, in all higher terrestrial animals, such a method of increase has disappeared, but even on this earth it was certainly the primitive method. Among the lower animals, even up to those first cousins of the vertebrated animals, the tunicates, the two processes occur side by side, but finally the sexual method superseded its competitor altogether. On Mars, however, just the reverse has apparently been the case. It is worthy of remark that a certain speculative writer of quasi-scientific repute, writing long before the Martian invasion, did forecast for man a final structure not unlike the Martian condition. His prophecy, I remember, appeared in November or December of 1893, in a long defunct publication, the Pall Mall Budget. I recall the caricature of it in a pre Martian periodical called Punch. He pointed out, writing in a foolish, fastidious tone, that the perfection of mechanical appliances must ultimately supersede limbs. The per. uh. This, ultimately supersede limbs, sorry, the perfection of chemical devices, digestion, that such organs as hair, external nose, teeth, ears, and chin were no longer essential parts of the human being, and the tendency of natural selection would lie in the direction of their steady diminution through the coming ages. The brain alone remained a cardinal necessity, Only one other part of the body had a strong case for survival, and that was the hand, teacher and agent of the brain. While the rest of the body dwindled, the hands would grow larger. There is many a true word written in jest, and here in the Martians we have beyond dispute the actual accomplishment of such a suppression of the animal side of the organism, by the intelligence. To me it's quite credible the Martians may have descended from beings not unlike ourselves, by a gradual development of brain and hands, the latter giving rise to the two bunches of delicate tentacles at last, at the expense of the rest of the body. Without the body the brain would of course become a mere selfish intelligence, without any of the emotional substratum of the human being. The last salient point in which the systems of these creatures differed from ours was in what one might have thought a very trivial trivial particular. Microorganisms, which cause so much disease and pain on Earth, have either never appeared on Mars or Martian sanitary science eliminated them long ago. A hundred diseases, all the fevers and contagions of human life, consumption, cancers, tumors, and such morbidities never enter their scheme of life. I may allude here to the curious suggestions of the red weed. Apparently, the vegetable kingdom on Mars, instead of having green for a dominant color, is a vivid blood-red tint At any rate, the seeds which the Martians intentionally or accidentally brought with them gave rise in all cases to red-colored growths. Only that known popularity as the red weed, however, gaining any footing in competition with terrestrial forms. The red creeper was quite a transitory growth, and few people have ever seen it growing. For a time, however, the red weed grew with astonishing vigor and luxuriance. It spread up the sides of the pit by the third or fourth day of our imprisonment, and its cactus-like branches formed a carmine fringe to the edges of the triangular window, and afterwards I found it broadcast throughout the country, and especially whenever there was a stream of water. The Martians had what appeared to be An auditory organ, a single round drum at the back of the head body, and eyes with a visual range not different from ours, except that according to Phillips, blue and violet were as black to them. It is commonly supposed that they communicated by sounds and tentacular gestation. And that's where we will leave it halfway through chapter two. What a fascinating way to describe the Martians! (laughs) Man, this is so weird. H.G. Wells' magazine serial, and ultimately a book from. 1897 and 98, The War of the Worlds. All right folks, thanks so much for coming along for the ride for those podcast listeners. Thank you for your downloads, likes and subscribes. And if you would like, you can stop by that URL right there. patreon.com/j Sheldon to support the show. We didn't plug that much this time, so we'll just give it a shot here. Patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon. Check it out. You can find ways that you can help to to support the show. We appreciate that. All right, my friends. I will see you again on Saturday night. Coming up on the weekend version of I'm Not Wearing Pants. And uh, we've got lots more fun planned. Don't forget our Halloween episode. Halloween Eve, October 30th. Mark your calendar. Scary Story Night. And if you want to be reminded automatically, just subscribe to the channel wherever you're watching or like, follow, do whatever the button says there. (laughs) All right, gang, thanks again. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night.